So when you practice positivity, it causes you to look for opportunities. It causes you to look for positive things, things that you wouldn't notice otherwise. Yeah. And so this can be expressing gratitude. It can be visualizing positive outcomes. And it can also be telling yourself uh, affirming statements like, I am safe. I am loved. I am Mm -hmm. significant. I am valuable. I am at peace. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how when you practice these things, when you actually say them out loud, you hear your own voice. The more you do that, the more you start to believe it and actually, you know, think in patterns that support those ideas. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Ben. How's it going? It's going pretty well. How are you? I'm doing great. Mm-hmm. We are recording this right before a trip. We're going to be going to your parents' house again. Yeah. And I always love going out there, just going out into the country. The wilderness. Getting away from the house. <laughs> the cornfields. I told <laughs> you, I, we were eating dinner last night. The kids were being wild at the table. Mm-hmm. The house was kind of a mess. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And and I just, I remember looking at you and saying, I need to get out of this house. We were even tr- trying to figure out how we could maybe leave sooner. Yeah. Because we found out that the boys didn't have school today. Mm-hmm. But it's good. I had a lot of stuff that I needed to get done today. I've had a really productive morning. Yeah. And so I feel it's been good. I feel good. Yeah. It would, it is going to be nice to get out of the house though. Yes. Yes, I'm I'm tired of looking at the destruction. (laughs) I cleaned up a lot though. Did you? I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Who knows? But thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Who knows what's going to happen while we're recording? (laughs) Yeah. The kids are supposed to be downstairs watching a movie, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. So today we're talking about improving self-awareness and relieving stress for your kids. And most of the focus of the show is going to be on relieving stress, but self-awareness plays such a huge role in that. You know, it's difficult to, there, there are some ways that you can indirectly relieve stress and we'll talk about those, but it's also difficult to deal with stress unless you can get to the root of it. Mm-hmm. And so self-awareness plays a, a big role in that. So the, the biggest question really, in order for us to be able to help our children we have to be able to recognize when they're stressed. So how do you know your child is stressed out? Uh, I mean, it depends on the kid, really. I mean, I guess the thing that they all have in common is that when they, when they are feeling stressed or when they're, you know, when they're at their capacity for either (laughs) good behavior or um, doing the right thing, making the right choices, um, it's obviously like the misbehavior is kind of a red flag, yeah. you know, because they don't, especially when it's something that they know better not to do. Um, I feel like that's a really big red flag saying something else is going on here. It's not that they just want to misbehave, you know, but there's something else going on there. That's kind of a red flag for me. If we have like several nights in a row where the boys are just 
or, or one of the boys is misbehaving and doing all the things he's been told not to do and that, that kind of stuff. That's how I know that there's something deeper going on. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to separate yourself from the feelings that you have oh, about yeah. what they're doing mm-hmm. enough to be able to recognize that that behavior is likely coming from a place of being stressed out or something, you know, something else is going on. Something's bothering them. Mm-hmm. I did a little bit of research on this question and, and some of the markers that were listed are acting irritable or moody, withdrawing from activities that used to give them pleasure. Mm-hmm routinely expressing worries, complaining more than usual about school, crying, displaying surprising fearful reactions, clinging to a parent or teacher, sleeping too much or too little, or eating too much or too little. Now that's, that's a pretty wide range. And honestly, when I look at that, I, I feel like Maybe my kids are just perpetually stressed yeah. because it seems like there's always one, <laughs> there's of, always those one of those things yeah. going on. And, and so that, that list almost isn't useful to me, except for what you said, which is when you see something that seems to fall out of their pattern. Right. So maybe their pattern is they do complain a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's something that kids. But that could also mean that they've been stressed for a long time, so. It's it's really hard to know without actually opening the conversation with a kid. Yeah. Well, and, I, and a lot of times they can't even say that they're stressed out about something. And we have to we have to be kind of like detectives. You yeah. Know? Everyone deals with and expresses stress differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I go so, in when I'm stressed, I go into like hyper work mode. Like. Yeah. You know, I, I don't I don't I hardly sleep. I hardly eat. I just work. Yeah, and I almost I almost do the opposite. <laughs> yeah. I kind of I I tend to shut down a little bit. The the best thing you can do, it's it's good to recognize some of the markers mm-hmm. um to to know what those are, but the best thing that you can do is to be a student of your child. Mm-hmm. Be familiar with what's normal for them and what tends to fall out of the norm. Yeah. And, uh, we've shared before about our oldest son when he was having a lot of trouble in school. And sometimes that can be a red flag. Um, your kid, you know, is having some trouble in school and we took him to a counselor and he was dealing with a lot of anxiety stuff. Yeah. And, uh, we didn't really know how to bring that out. And so we had to take him, uh, to somebody else who was sort of like, a non-biased person, I guess, because yeah. as parents, it's really hard for us not to be in the It's hard for us to separate ourselves from the emotions of having a kid who's dealing with stress or anxiety or something, you know, like whenever I think of my kids dealing with stress and anxiety, that makes me feel stressed and anxious because I want the best for them. You know, I want them to go through life without feeling stress. And, uh, the reality is that that's probably not going to happen. Because there are so many outside forces that are contributing to that stress and anxiety. Yeah. So as we're going through these things, um, I, what I don't want for you to feel, um, you the listener, what I don't want for you to feel is more stressed and <laughs> like, oh man, now I, now I've got all of this other stuff. These are really just some ideas that if you if you have the bandwidth to implement them and they help, that's awesome. But and nobody should feel 
weird or bad or insufficient by getting help. Mm-hmm. We need help from time to time. Mm-hmm. And, and so for us, you know, with our oldest, when he was in that situation where he was dealing with the stress, we, we are going through our own things as well. And the idea of trying to take time with him, uh, a lot of it really ends up being a lot of time trying to work through those things with him. We do as much as we can, but we needed help. Mm-hmm. And, and having that available really got us through it. Mm-hmm. So uh, don't, don't ever feel bad or, or that you're not a good parent if you need to go get outside help to help your child work through their stress. So uh, one, of, one of the things that's true is that we're always dealing with some level of stress. And that's not, I, I, kind, of, I kind of think of it as like, you know, this thing that builds up. Over time, we're experiencing things on a daily basis. We're um, having emotions and responses. And, and so all of these experiences just add up over time. And there are also things that we do naturally, not necessarily even on purpose, but naturally that do relieve some of those stresses. And so where there's a little bit of a bottleneck um, is when we're experiencing more stress than we're able to relieve naturally on our own. And so it's good, it's good to build in some regular stress relieving activities. But when, when you think about your own experience, even when things seem to be going really well on all fronts, you know, how often does that happen? Yeah. But even when things seem to be going well on all fronts, there's always some level of stress that you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's good to just be mindful of that fact as well. Um, so we want to we deal with acute stress, and we're going to talk about that next. Um, but it's also good to recognize just kind of that undercurrent. Uh, I was going to add one to also... Uh, add one also to that list that you had. Yeah. Um, I stomach problems can be a red flag for kids. Oh yeah. I was, uh, that was one I forgot to mention if they, if they complain about feeling sick. Mm-hmm. So one of the, if we can recognize that, if we recognize that something is going on, the, the best way that we can help them to become aware of it, to identify what the source of their stress is, is to initiate a conversation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what happens is the trigger, the thing that we recognize becomes the gateway through which we enter into that conversation. So if they're, they're behaving poorly, mm-hmm. you point to that, not in an accusatory way, but, but say, hey, I noticed that you're doing this and that's not the way that you normally behave or that's not the way you normally react. Is there mm-hmm. something going on? Um, or if they, if they complain about feeling sick, and you've ruled out, you know, like food poisoning or anything mm-hmm. like that and, and say, Hey, you, you seem to be, your tummy seems to be bothering you a lot. Or is there something that you're worried about? You know, and just starting the conversation. Yeah. I, I remember when I was a kid being, I mean, I was always a huge worrier and part of it was because, um, I kind of grew up in a situation where I felt like I needed to be worried about everything, you know? Yeah. Um, we didn't have a whole lot of money. Uh, we didn't have a dad. He had left, you know, early on. And 
uh, I just, I felt like I was stressed all the time, but I remember having a lot of uh, stomach issues and it, and mine didn't perpetuate itself in behavior issues, but I kind of became the, the adult, I guess, the adult in the situation. And so I did everything everybody told me, which was not exactly in my character. You know yeah. what I mean? But because my mom was so busy trying to provide for me and my brother and sister, you know, it was really hard for her to recognize that kind of stuff. And so I just, um, I guess I say that because I, I really want to be able to recognize that in our kids because uh, it's funny, I'm, I'm reading a book right now called Cure and it's the science of mind over body. And there's a whole section about chronic stress. And, you know, we kind of live in a society where chronic stress is like the norm, you know, yeah. like everybody's stressed out and chronic stress actually remaps your brain. And, um, I was telling you yesterday that it actually causes whatever part of your brain is the, the part that sees like way into the future mm -hmm. and sees the long-term benefits of things. It actually shrinks that part of your brain and enlarges the part of your brain that is only concerned with short-term benefits. Well, in, in our, in our history, in human history, stress is really linked to danger. Mm -hmm. it's, oh, yeah. the, it's the mechanism that we use to get out of danger. With, uh, stress is a really healthy thing in a scenario where you, you're, you could potentially lose your life to some predator mm -hmm. or, you know, like you're, you're battling the elements. Maybe you're trying to scale a cliff or something like that. Like the, the stress response in your body forces you to be super aware of what's going on in the present. Yeah. And, and because your resources need to serve you in that moment, the parts of your brain that focus on the future, like the, there's no need for you to think about the future when you're trying to fight off a bear. You're, you're trying to survive in the moment. Yeah. And somehow that experience has translated into us feeling that sense of danger and that sense of stress related to other things like money. Yeah. Um, well, I was just going to say when, you know, this might be getting a little too personal, but when I was a kid, like we, we hardly, I mean, we, we had enough food, but we had to like stretch it out, you know, where we were not eating quite as much as kids would normally eat because we just didn't have the money to. Yeah. And so whenever I lost my job and we were going through all that stuff, even, even now, sometimes when I'm like, oh my gosh, the end of the month is almost here and we got to finish you know, paying for the electricity bill and all of that. Um, even now, like I feel that, that fight and flight response in myself because that's how I grew up, you know, like I, I grew up being worried that we weren't going to have enough to eat. And, uh, that's, you know, that's what chronic stress does to you. Like every situation that's related to that is a situation that's going to bring stress. And so I, yeah. I want to know how to deal with that, you know, <laughs> and, and how to keep it from my kids. So the kind of language that we can use with our kids when we're trying to identify the source of their stress, mm -hmm. I, I like the approach of making observations instead of, instead of assigning meaning to something, because thinking about it as just a, a fact or a statement thinking about it objectively helps you to separate your feelings from what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, when we assign meaning to something, then 
it makes it a little bit more personal and it's it's more difficult for us to see it for what it really is. Mm-hmm. So I'll just I'll I'll make this practical and and say you know, how do you feel right now? I feel worried. I feel sad. Sometimes feel though angry. kids aren't going to be able to say they feel worried because they and don't really know. And that's okay, but but it's really just the practice yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. So and if they can't if they can't say how they feel you know, maybe try to try to help them. Well, what does your body feel like? Like, where do you do you feel anything in your body? Because usually, like, anger your your face feels a little bit hot and you feel kind of tense. Whereas if you're sad, maybe you have kind of a sinking feeling in your chest. You know, so you can get into some of the more physiological markers with your child and try to identify it that way. Mm-hmm. But if they if they can say, "This is how I feel." That's an observation, okay? And then you can say, you can say, okay, well, what, what happened today when you started feeling that way? And uh, maybe they'll say something like, well, my, my teacher yelled at me. Mm-hmm. That's an observation. So my teacher yelling at me was something that happened today. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then you can turn that around and, and you can say, so when your teacher yelled at you, you felt this. And, and we've talked about that before, the difference between saying she made me feel or that situation made me feel and about owning your feelings. Mm-hmm. So there's some, there's some level of control there, some level of empowerment saying, okay, I felt this when I was in this situation. And so the, making observations is really good. And then there's this uh, there's this thing that you do in the middle of that that helps add a new layer, a new way of thinking about the situation. Because so far what we're focusing on are the negative feelings and what happened in the situation, the negative thing that happened. So the next thing that you can do is to try to make unrelated observations. So ask them, okay, What's something you remember? What's something else you remember about the room that you were in or about what the weather was like outside? You know, something, something that's not related to the trauma you experienced. Mm-hmm. And so that could be something like, it was sunny outside. There were, there were kids at recess from another grade or another class. The air conditioning was running and I could hear it. Somebody was tapping their pencil on their desk. Those are all great um, observations to have when you're a writer also, by the way. Yes. <laughs> if you want your kids to be that way. So, so what, you, what you do when you bring in these unrelated observations is you're making the world in which that thing happened a little bit richer. You're taking some of the focus away from the negative things and you're making it more neutral. Mm-hmm. So that's not that's not to say that they shouldn't feel a certain way when they're having a certain experience, but part of identifying what happened when and what else was going on around around that situation just helps them to have a more objective view of it. Mm-hmm. And the more objectively we can look at the circumstances, the easier it is for us not to feel the stress of those circumstances and to say, okay, so 
now, now that I've zoomed out a little bit, I can also see that I was doing this when my teacher yelled at me and she was just trying to get my attention. I thought she was mad because her face, you know, like that's another observation. Her face looked like she was angry. Mm-hmm. And, and so it just opens our, it opens our minds up. It opens our, our children's minds up to other possibilities in the situation as well. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's more about identifying the source of their stress. And, and there could be, you know, any number of things that are going on there, but having that conversation and trying to help them to make observations about what they remember is really a really powerful way to get there. Yep. Another place, this was really big. Um, I was asking in the chat, what are some things that you, what are some unique things that you do to de-stress? And I didn't actually have this as a part of my outline, but Jeremiah in the chat mentioned that he and his family were committed to some church activities Mm -hmm. for like three hours a week. And they finally decided that they needed to say no to that because it was causing stress for their family. Oh my gosh. There's, and as soon as I read that, I was like, we've had an identical experience. Like multiple times. (laughs) Yeah. Somehow we haven't learned. Nope. But, but sometimes sometimes it's just the rhythm of family life that becomes a stressor. You know, are, are you involved as a family? Are you involved in too many activities? Are there too many things that you've said yes to? Are your kids involved in too, in too many activities? Yeah. And even, even things that they want to be involved in. Sometimes our kids just don't know their own limits. And so they say yes to so many different things mm-hmm. and they think they want to do all of them, but then they end up being stressed. And it's hard for them to recognize that. Yeah. And, it, and if we're involved in all those things too, that, can, that stress can translate to them because I think, I think we're seeing it right now too because we're committed to a church right now where we have night activities and Sunday activities and it's just, it's made life super crazy. And since then, like attitudes and everything have just gone really down the drain. Yeah. And so we're going to reevaluate soon. Yes. <laughs> it could be that you don't have enough routine, that your schedule's too erratic. Children do thrive. Well, human beings. Mm-hmm. Human beings thrive on routine, except for some weirdos. But, but for the most part, when you, when you have a regular schedule um, and there, then there aren't too many surprises, that's, that's kind of how children like to operate. Mm-hmm. Even even if they seem to fight against that from time to time. But when there's no set schedule, when it's, when it's like, oh, okay, I don't know what's, what's going to happen next. Do you know what's going to happen next? No, I don't. There's, there's some anxiety in that yeah, and that can yeah. cause stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, of course, if the parents are stressed out mm-hmm. and, you know, it may be a situation where the reason your kids are feeling stressed is because you haven't dealt with your own stress. And it's kind of one of those situations where, you know, like you're in the airplane and the oxygen masks come down. You got to put your own mask on first. Mm -hmm. Maybe one of those situations where you need to, you know, take care of your own stress first. And then from a healthier place, you're able to help your kids. 
I remember when uh, we had three sons and the third one had just been born and they thought they heard a heart murmur. So we had to like take him to a cardiac specialist and all of this. And I remember feeling so incredibly stressed about like just in the circumstances around that. And I remember um, the baby, I mean, he was probably no more than 10 days old or so, but was super fussy, super like wouldn't be quiet unless I held him. And it was amazing the way that the stress that I felt was transferred to him, you know, Mm -hmm. like he only wanted to be where I was because he felt he could feel the stress. It's, It's almost like this weird electromagnetic force field that you as a parent that you give off and your kids sense that, you know, and yeah. and you may not even be speaking in a way that indicates that you're stressed or anything like that, you know, but kids are pretty smart. I, and when I was a kid, I, that's part of why I was chronically stressed is that I knew that my mom was chronically stressed and I kind of took that on myself. So that makes me want to do better for my kids, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's really hard. Don't think about that because you can put too much pressure on yourself if your motivation for becoming de-stressed is so that they won't feel yeah, your stress. Yeah, You've got to do it for you. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, parents, stop being so selfless, please. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Except kind of not. Remind me that I want to talk a little bit more about that in the after show. The, the idea of like, kids taking on what their parents are feeling mm-hmm. and that connection. Okay. I'll I find try that, to remember. I find that really interesting. You guys in the chat can remind me. <laughs> they saved me last time. I know. <laughs> All right. So, um, so let's get into real quick, some practices for relieving stress. And then I have a couple of questions to get to. These, these practices are really great, not just for kids, but for adults also. Mm -hmm. And again, because of not just acute stress, but, but just that underlying stress that we experience that kind of mounts on us, it's really good to have some practices in place designed specifically to relieve stress. So one of the, one of the really big things is physical touch. Mm -hmm. Physical touch releases oxytocin, which causes stress levels to go down and it can be something as simple as rubbing somebody's back. Um, our seven-year-old, anytime we're having reading time in the library, he'll always ask one of us to (laughs) scratch his back for him. So he'll just sit there and read. And, and I remember, I remember loving that as a kid. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's also one of my love languages is physical touch. So I mean, anytime somebody puts a hand on my shoulder or, you know, gives me a pat on the back, even when, even when our six-year-old runs up and tries to like tackle me. Bowl you over. Yeah. You mean our five-year-old? He's not six yet. Oh, oh yeah. You're talking about number three? Yes. He's going to be, he he will be six. I lose track. In July. Yeah. If you Um, call that suit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Playing with their hair, giving them hugs, but just, um. Find ways to have some kind of physical contact with your child throughout the day and and let that become kind of a habit. Mm-hmm. Some of us, it comes more naturally than others. I know for me, I, it's hard for me to be in the same room with my kids without messing with their hair or, you know, like patting them on the chest or something. 
but if you aren't a person who really craves the the physical touch, it may be more difficult for you. Yeah, that to, one's a little hard for me. I think yeah. I told you the other day. I was like, I feel like I've been manhandled because they were like climbing all over me. They wanted to sit in my lap. Everybody did. They were all clinging to me. It's <laughs> <I was laughs> like, like oh my gosh, I've had my touch quotient. <laughs> yeah. This was uh, I, when I when I asked the question in the chat about what people do. This was one of the ones that were mentioned: physical exercise. And for our kids, that's play. Get them outside. You know, get have a wrestling match with them on the carpet or have a dancing party. You know, something something that just gets them moving and some form of exercise. And the bonus to that is if you do it with them, you're also getting exercise for yourself. Yep. Um, positivity practices are really great because it takes the focus away from the negative things. And... Um, and the positivity practices also exercise the part of the brain that focuses on long-term, focuses on, and, and this, is, this is the really powerful thing. When you're stressed out and you're just focused on what's going on in the present moment, it's really difficult for you to see opportunities. Yeah. It's, it's really difficult for you. Your, your brain is telling you, okay, look for negative things, look for Look for things to be afraid of because, because it wants to make sure that you are able to get out of that danger as soon as possible. Well, your brain is looking for confirmation is really what it is. It's like when you see something that you that is super terrible, your brain is looking for confirmation that it is actually as terrible as you imagine. Well, because, because what that does for you, if you're in actual yeah. danger, you, you want to be able to... It's, Get it's out of like it fast. Your brain, your brain is going to imagine the worst case scenario possible so that you can be ready for the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. So when you practice positivity, it causes you to look for opportunities. It causes you to look for positive things, things that you wouldn't notice otherwise. Yeah. And so th this can be expressing gratitude. It can be visualizing positive outcomes. And it can also be telling yourself uh, affirming statements like, I am safe, I am loved, I am mm -hmm. significant, I am valuable, I am at peace. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how when you practice these things, when you actually say them out loud, you hear your own voice, the more you do that, the more you start to believe it and actually you know, think in patterns that support those ideas. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness and meditation. I know. I know this is kind of difficult with kids, but um, we've talked about before having a breathing buddy, mm -hmm. doing some controlled breathing exercises, listening for sounds, um, visualization uh, in terms of visualizing things that are kind of calm and tranquil, peaceful. One of the fun exercises I, I found online was imagining that you're in a bubble and that you're floating. <laughs> That's fun. Mm -hmm. uh, relaxation exercises. This is, this is something we've done with the boys from time to time where we have them lie down and close their eyes and then we, we tell them to relax parts of their body mm -hmm. and we just move down from head to toe. Yeah. Unless we fall asleep doing it ourselves. That happens, yes. <laughs> um, coloring. 
a lot of a lot of adults are getting back into coloring now. Mm-hmm. I have adult coloring books. Yeah. I really want one. An adult coloring book? Yeah. Well, your birthday's coming up. Okay. I'd like an adult coloring book for my birthday, please. All right. Nice, cheap gift. <laughs> and then another thing that you can do is um, you can set up a peaceful environment. This is something that we try to do on a daily basis. I don't always get all of the pieces in place, but when we have our reading time, um, I try to put on some relaxing music. Mm-hmm. We also diffuse essential oils. We have an essential oils diffuser and specifically I have one that's called relaxation. Yep. There's also um a stress relief one. No stress. Yeah. One that is really, really nice. I, I mean I, I love it. I like put it everywhere. I like the relaxation one because it has lavender in it. Yeah. And they say that lavender puts kids to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> well it relaxes your body. Like Yeah. Yeah. Um, just having a tidy and comfortable room. So, I mean, think about, and I know kids are not tidy, but I promise you they feel less stressed out in a room that's clean and mm-hmm. put together. And, uh, and this was, this was one Eric mentioned in the chat that he does, he goes, uh, to be alone in his car. Mm-hmm. Now it's not okay. It, you shouldn't put your kid in the car by themselves. Like that's probably not safe. But what you can do is you can find or, or you can help them come up with their own calm spot. Like it's it's the, the one place in the house where they can go and be alone when they need to be alone. Just to have some time to themselves. Yep. Did you have any others? Um, I mean, I was thinking more for myself, but that's those are things that, I actually try to do. Sometimes I think that uh, having, we used to do this time called family time. We don't do it as much anymore because the kids like, they like to go play out with their friends in the cul-de-sac. But um, we used to create things together. And I feel like that was a really de-stressing kind of time. Unless <laughs> unless you got stressed by what you were creating. I think, um, I think it's more stressful for the parents. For the parents, yeah, yeah than is. probably for the kids. But that that seemed to be really good for them. To just be together and create something together, you know? Yeah. And you can't, getting back to the family life thing, if your kids aren't getting enough time with you, if they don't feel connected to you relationally, the reason that causes stress is because there's a connection between how safe and and cared for um, they feel whether or not they're going to be taken care of, have their needs met. Mm-hmm. There's a connection between those things and how well connected they feel to you mm-hmm. relationship wise. And so if there's, and having a large family, this is one of the bigger challenges that we have to overcome is, you know, how do we get enough meaningful time with each of them? Mm-hmm. And how do we get enough meaningful time, all of us together? And, and I'm, that's not to say that it's not as difficult in a smaller family, but you know, the more the more children you have, the more your time is divided. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to have one-on-one time with each of them, and that creates its own kind of stress, really. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about chronic stress. Parents are under it all the time. So, speaking of large families, I'm going to go ahead and bring in a question from Jeremiah in the chat. He said, "When you have one parent who struggles with ADHD and the other with anxiety, 
and the majority of your kids mm-hmm. have some combination of both. How do you keep everyone from playing off each other every minute of the day? We work from home and homeschool seven. So we're together all day, every day and less than 2000 square feet. Wow. I mean, we're in less than 2000 square feet, so I totally can relate to that. Except they have seven. Except, yeah. Except you have one more than we do. We only, and, we only have six. Um, although ours are all boys. So that does, <laughs> that means they're multiplied by like three. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just I, kidding. Really? No, I, I think we can, um, I think we can definitely relate to that. We can relate to it because I think you have a little bit of the ADHD going on. And then I definitely struggle with anxiety and stress. Um, and you know, we kind of go through these cycles where I, I try really hard not to talk about the things that I'm stressed out about at the table and stuff. That's the table for dinner time is like the time that we get to talk together and all of that. Um, but I try to really focus on the positive things that have happened or that we've done in the day or something like that. But, but the times that I am super stressed, like the times when uh, maybe a job has fallen through or something like that, and I'm panicked about, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? It's really, really hard to not let that perpetuate in everybody, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm having a little bit of difficulty answering this question, but I think that the one thing that really helps the most is our routine. Because we established our routine not based on how much money we have, not based on what outside circumstances, not based on, you know, like who's in what kind of mood or anything like that. We, we established a routine for our family based on our values. And we said, because we have these values, these are the things that we're going to do. And because we want to do these things consistently, we're going to make them a part of our daily experience as a family. Mm -hmm. And so things like, sitting down and having dinner together and having our reading time at the end of the night. And I mean, even the morning has some semblance of routine to it, you know, doing the after dinner chores together. When things seem out of control in other places, when it just feels like chaos and madness, that routine is kind of this anchor. And so, uh, if you if you don't have a routine in place, I I highly highly recommend doing that. But if you do and you're having this experience, um, try to try to dwell on the anchor that is your routine. You know, think about okay, I could be thinking about all of these other things that are going on, but what what are our values? Why are mm-hmm. we why are we doing the things that we're doing? And going back to that really it's it's kind of a way of reminding yourself of who you are and what's important to you what's really important to you and so i guess that's kind of where you can start dealing with your own stress and then once you deal with your own stress it becomes easier to yeah um dan mckinnon in the chat said change the locale whenever you can library park can change perspective. And we've done that before. We've gotten out of the house and gone for a walk or, you know, had a race with the boys or something or just played. Play is so great for de-stressing. Yeah, that's the other thing that I uh, that I thought of almost immediately when I saw that was 
get everybody out of that, you know, 2000 square foot space yeah, and somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So kind of the opposite of what I just said, break the routine. I feel like sometimes when uh, we, we are going through some stressful periods, it almost feels like the house holds stress. You know, it's like when you wake up in the morning and you can feel it already. Yeah. Because it's like living in your corners and stuff. And so getting out of the house sometimes, even for a whole weekend, like going down to my mom's house this weekend is going to be really nice to just get out of the environment and give that stress time to be swept out of the corners, you know? This might be a fun little experiment or it may be completely silly. Mm-hmm. But you said it feels like the house holds stress. Mm-hmm. So what if, what if you imagined that stress was just like kind of clouds or bubbles floating in your house mm-hmm. and you said, okay, we're going we're gonna to get rid of all of this stress. And so you turn off your AC, you open up all of the windows and doors and maybe you maybe even go around and like collect it in a trash bag or something with your kids, you know, kind of as like a fun imaginary pretend game. I don't think that would be silly at all. I think kids are great at the visual visualization stuff and they can actually lead us into that, you know, either that or we could like paint all of our walls, really happy colors, (laughs) bright pink and that, uh, see, that kind of stresses me out. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I'm just kidding. All right. (laughs) Well, that was good. Mm -hmm. I haven't forgotten in the after show. I want to talk a little bit more about that connection thing. Okay. Does that sound good? Sounds good. All right. Thank you guys for listening today. Rachel, where can people go to find us online? In the boat with That's right. Go to in the boat with You can listen to all of these podcast episodes right there on the website. Um, but we also put show notes so you can read through if you're not at a place where you can listen if you want to refer back to anything that we've talked about, um, it's just a great resource. You can share stuff from there if you find something that you want to share with somebody else. While you're there, you can also sign up for our email newsletter. We send out a newsletter with links to the episodes, uh, any In the Boat with Ben TV episodes that we've posted that week, and also a personal message from myself. And if you want to find Rachel, she is at racheltolson.com. You can follow her on Twitter at Rachel Tolson, and you can follow me on Snapchat at Ben Tolson. Are you going to get on Snapchat yet? Nope. One day, guys. One day we'll get it. to talk about was the connection. And I found this really interesting. So there are some things that are built in, even from when 
your child is an infant, they can recognize certain cues, uh, body language, body temperature, you know, blood pressure. And, and it's just these little, it's like they're tuned into those, those things. And that doesn't go away as we, as we grow and we learn to recognize facial express, expressions and body language and posture. There's a part of our brain in the subconscious that is devoted to being able to interpret those things. Mm-hmm. So that's going on. And I find that super fascinating. Yeah. Just the the fact that I like I have no conscious control over whether or not I see those things and respond to them in some way. And then there's some consci- conscious control I have. And, and so we also have um, human beings kind of built into our brain have this mirroring mm-hmm. circuitry yeah. that's designed to help us mirror the person that we're spending time with, that we're mm-hmm. having FaceTime with. And, and that's supposed to strengthen our connection. And so when somebody feels stressed, it's, it is kind of in our best interest to mirror what they're experiencing so that we can connect with them and help each other out. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always happen. Sometimes that breaks down, especially in the case of kids where they don't really, they're yeah, not they really don't know equipped. How. Yeah. But then at the same time, you know, I wonder if, if there are things that, that they do because when, okay, so this, this might be a stretch, but you feel stressed out and they're crying and they're crying and they're inconsolable. Well, what do you do when your child is crying and inconsolable? You feel more stressed out. Okay. But what else do you do? What do you do? You comfort them. How do you comfort them? You hold them. You hold them? Mm-hmm. Like you actually physically touch them? Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that actually relieves stress. And I wonder if the difference between whether or not that relieves stress for you is whether or not you see that as something that's meant to help you. Mm-hmm. Like your, your child crying and, and wanting that physical contact is maybe in some way their way of helping you get rid of stress. Yeah. And, th- and that's kind of beautiful when you think about it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, it is. Instead of thinking about it as, oh, this self-centered little tiny human being just wants to be held and I've got all of this other stuff I need to do. Well, how, how important is that other stuff really? Yeah. Well, I, I think about last night our five-year-old was like, <laughs> when, I think when he's stressed, he enjoys playing with my hair, but... He's not, it's not like a tender playing with hair. It's like, you know, he wants to brush it, which is a, a little bit painful. <laughs> he's just, he's just rough. Yeah. Um, but I just think about uh, how good it was for him to, you know, he was sitting on my back while he was brushing my hair and playing with my hair. And that's kind of a comforting thing for him, you know? Kind of like a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> he is kind of like a monkey. Um, but it was also, it was also nice for me because I mean, I mean, he was being a little bit rough, but at the same time, it's like, you know, when, when kids get older, they don't often come and just be with their parents, you know? Yeah. And it so it was a little sweet moment to just be together. Yeah. 
And then he wouldn't go to bed and it ruined <laughs> the sweet moment, but I'm well, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so, so I, I, I know just from, you know, what I've learned that is definitely going on. Mm-hmm. And then I wonder if there's something deeper going on there that, that goes beyond what we have perceived or observed mm-hmm. in terms of connection. You know, this, the same way that they say that twins are connected, like when, when one, one could be on the other side of the world, but something happens to them mm-hmm. and the other one can sense it somehow. And, you know, at the risk of getting a little bit weird, I'd be interested to know how, what, what we think about that possibility, you know, mm. whether, whether we believe that there's a deeper kind of connection or not can play into whether or not we actually experience that. Mm-hmm. And so, so I'm, I'm at least open to the possibility. And I say at least, I'm actually very much, um, I'm, I I can easily jump on the side of, well, sure. There's so many, there's so many things that we don't understand. Who am I to say, well, that's not possible. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm, I'm very much in that camp. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, if, if I believe that I can have that kind of connection and interaction with my child, maybe, maybe what that means is when I observe that they're stressed, when I see that they're worried about something, I can kind of go into myself and say, you know, I don't, I don't feel stressed right now. I can, I can see that they're stressed. I can recognize, you know, why they might be feeling stressed, but maybe, maybe just my presence can be calming for them. Maybe by being here and present with them and focusing on the connection that I have with them as a parent, you know, I can throw some calm their way. Yeah. And then you do all of the practical things too. But just, um, you know, just some ideas. Did you know that stress actually shortens this thing called telomeres, which plays into um, how well you age? So if you're chronically stressed, it shortens them, which means that you age faster. Yeah. Both like physically and uh, well, I mean, both on the outside and like your organs inside. Yeah. Which tells me that it's very important to do something about your stress. Yes. And it's because it's kind of, it's a mental thing. Like it, it has to do with your mindset and the way that you think about it. So if you can deal with that part of it, but then, you know, just having practices in place to relieve stress in general, like mm-hmm. exercising and meditating. I feel like there are certain things, though, that um, are really, really hard. Like when you have a child with special needs, for example, um, it's really, really hard to uh, get away from that stress. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I feel like to a certain extent, we uh, we have a little bit of that in our house. Our Our oldest is very, very strong-willed almost to the Asperger side of like, um, I mean, he, he's not, he's been tested for all of that, but he is, he's not Asperger's, but he's very, very close to that. And it, it provides its own challenges, you know, and it's really, really hard when you have a child who 
is persistent and sticky brained and strong willed. And, you know, like that's, that's a stress that, I mean, there are times that the school calls and I immediately feel sick to my stomach, even though I have no idea what's going on. Like yeah. it could just be a call from a teacher who's saying the kid is sick. Um, but there's a stress that doesn't go away for a while, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, that's gotta be dealt with more on the mental side of things, the way that you think about and and the meaning that you assign to those things. Mm-hmm. So that was when, when you and I were doing some of our more intentional stress work. Mm-hmm that was one of the themes that came up quite often is what kind of meaning are you assigning to your experiences? Yeah. Because that has a lot to do with how, you know, whether or not you have stress over those things. At the same time, I don't know. I kind of wonder, I know we're going a little long here, but I kind of wonder a little bit about um, how moms and dads deal with this kind of thing separately, because I feel like as a mom, I don't know if you feel the same way. I don't think we've ever talked about it. But as a mom, like I, I really desire for my kids to be able to, um, to go through their lives and not have to deal with some of the stuff that I dealt with. And, you know, like w- with our oldest, I want him to be able to go to school and be accepted for who he is and to not be misunderstood, you know, and that creates stress. Yeah. Because of you know, the outcome that I want. But, and, and I totally agree with that. And I think that it's not necessarily, maybe you could generalize it and say that moms probably experience that more than dads do just because of the way that men and women are wired. Yeah. But, but it goes without saying that we all fall in different um, ranges on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing... So one, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with where you fall in that spectrum. And at the same time, I, I think it's fair to say that what you're experiencing is not the objective outcome of that situation, but it's the, what you're experiencing is the meaning that you've assigned to it for yourself. Yeah. And that meaning could be something that you have assigned. It could be something that you you assign because you experienced it you know it could it could be a lot of different things but i think recognizing that is a step in the direction of having a little bit more control over how much stress you experience in those situations mm-hmm. so it's not that you it's not that you want any less for your child not to go through those experiences but the but your stress response can be different depending on the way that you think about it. Yeah. And that's extremely difficult. I mean, you know, it's it's really hard to change your mind about those things. Mm-hmm. Which is why you should probably get help. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't mean I don't Are mean you- <laughs> No, I don't mean that in a bad way. We all need help. Yeah. 